Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. After weeks of 1-1 draws to close out the 2016 calendar year, it appears as though 2017 might be the year of 2-2 draws as the Roar and Perth left NIB Stadium with a point each on Saturday night. It was kind of similar on Tuesday as the Roar opened their Asian Champions League campaign with a draw against Thai champions Muang Tong United on Tuesday night. But fans will be a little bit disappointed, even though it's the best start to the Champions League campaign the Roar have ever had. Welcome to the Chris Grossman episode 21 of the Brisbane Football Review. We're here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm your host, James Coglin, and I'm joined, as always, by the ever-reliable Scott Owen. Scott, how are you going? Not bad, James. How are you? And on the other side of the desk, filling in for Adam, who's currently in the casinos of Las Vegas, conducting his own little podcast fundraising trip, is Richard McFowl. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. Yes, Richard is proudly sporting his Arsenal jersey after beating the mighty Sutton United. Yeah, I was just about to put that one in. <laughs> well, we've got to take everything we can get as I Arsenal know, fans Especially right after last uh, went, uh, Thursday morning. And Scott's just rolling his eyes as a non-Arsenal fan. No, it's fine. <laughs> All right, let's I get... think a winner was an Eddie and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into segment one, the A-League review. So the game finished 2-2 Saturday night in Perth. Lots of action. The Royal probably feel like they should have come away with a victory. Now would have been the perfect time for a Wild Wild, rest, Wild Wild West reference, but frankly, we're better than that, and I can't say it again, so let's just get into the game. Scott, lead us off with your general thoughts. It was a good game, actually. It was one of those games, all pretty even between two sides, which are relatively even on the table, and they're probably going to run into it at some point in the, in the finals, but it is a game the Raw probably should have won, with the, obviously the second goal, we'll get, the first goal, we'll get into that in a minute for Perth. There's controversy there. There was a penalty. And the Raw did play well. It's just in the second half, with all the games the Raw played, fatigue kicked in. And the last five minutes were probably happy to take the draw, but before that, the Raw were a better team. They certainly had their chances, Richard. Yeah, I mean, watching the game, I have to admit, it's probably uh, one of the best away performances I've actually seen in the John Aloisi era at the Raw, um, especially with the team that we had out with a lot of young players and all that type of thing. Um, I felt on the balance of chances, certainly in the first... 75 minutes of the game that we were much the better team particularly in the first half um, and you know on another day I think uh, we we should have come away with three points and if McLaren had had his shooting boots on which we've probably said numerous times <laughs> this season I think we would have come away with the three points yeah well all things considered like it was a long flight over the Raw had been traveling quite a lot lately it was a rare actually midweek off for them after the last little while yeah, that might have actually worked against them too because they've been playing games soft and they had a break. And you could see a whole lot of the players were really sore. I think Borello was... He was spent. I mean, Tommy Orr. Luke Devere came off probably part precaution, part fatigue. So I think it certainly played a part, the fatigue. And the six-hour flight to Perth doesn't help either. Mm, but no one was probably more sore than Matt Mackay who ended up getting his nose splattered all across his face early on. Richard, what do you think of his, Mackay's efforts? Uh, I have to say, um, when I saw the team sheet and he was lining up at left back, I was a little bit concerned um, given his past performances for the Socceroos in that position. Um, but I think he acquitted himself quite well and used his experience. And I think it was... Partly to do with the lesser quality of the opposition. Mind you, he was up against a, a fairly um, respected winger in the A-League in Chris Harold, And I think he handled him quite well during the game. Yeah, well, I was running the player rating for outside 90. And I think Chris Harold was probably up there with Diego Castro as Perth's best player. But how do you think Mackay handled himself at left back? I thought that Mackay did okay at left back. I think, obviously, the knock he copped on his nose in the first two minutes, that's going to affect anyone's game. And I thought he actually came back and dealt with it well. But I thought Harold was a good opponent for him because he's not lightning quick. He's not the most skillful. He's the kind of guy that you can you can kind of defend. I think Mackay did well against him. And on the other side, it was actually a, a bit of a pre-game you know, stuff around because Thomas Christensen was supposed to be starting in midfield and Jacob Pepper at right back and Christensen felt his hamstring and wound up being left out as a precaution. So it was the youngster... Dane Ingham coming into the right back. He comes in and scores. Unbelievable, huh? But I don't think it was actually a great all-around showing from Ingham. We saw how good he can be, but also there were a few 
I suppose kind of questionable decisions like trying to hit a cross first time that wound up in the stands and yeah Richard yeah I mean um, I have had actually past experience of playing against Daningham um, back in my days playing MPL uh, when he was playing for the QAS I believe um, and I've I, I do know of him a little bit um, coming through the ranks at the QAS and at the Raw and he's always been a right winger uh, so I think we saw a lot of what he can offer going forward um, but I think also in the second half, when Diego Castro started really coming into the game, especially in the last third of the match, that he didn't really handle that uh, task particularly well, I didn't think. And it showed a little bit of his naivety, I think. In t- and that's understandable given oh, yeah. his age and he's his limited fast, experience. Because yes. he's only recently converted yeah. to right back. It was yes. during the last youth league season. It was right at the end of the MPL 2016, like two games, and then through the youth league. He's learning fast the defensive side of the game. Mm. Trial by fire almost. It is really based on the opponents he's had to come up against. Mm. Now, up to the other end of the pitch, Jamie McLaren, I thought he had the best of Reese Williams all night, although Williams, I think, yeah. was shocking. I can kind of see why <laughs> Perth wouldn't mind getting rid of him. But, yeah, McLaren, you know, he really outmuscled him. Looked like he was making the runs into all yeah. the right places. I think his movement's been really good the last few weeks, the runs, the movement. It opens things up for the Raw. It's just the finishing's not quite there, to Richard's point. That one in the second half, I think he had too much time. It was a great ball through from Holm. He just... There's too much time there to get it right, and he's it's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, watching the game, um, I was watching with with one of my mates and um, my, my dad, and um, I, one, my mate, he's a striker. He was just yelling out, "Go around the keeper, go around the keeper." And I think he did, you know, lose his head a little bit, and he probably did have a little bit too much time to think about that chance. Mm. It, it almost would have been better for him to actually get the ball right on the edge of the box and it's just two touches yeah. to make your decision instead yeah. of one, two, three, wait, what's he going now? But yeah, I, I was really happy with how he played. Although one thing really did bug me. It was his second trip back to Perth and he's still refusing to celebrate against him. I figure after that first trip and he did score in that 6-3 game last year, just lighten up and have some fun. He likes scoring against them though, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he likes scoring for them too, yeah. but now he's in the raw colours. Well, it's good every game against them or something, it's something like that. He's got a pretty good turnaround. Yeah, I believe he's scored... I think he scored in every appearance for Brisbane against Perth because I remember, I think he only played two games against them last season. He scored in both the games against them so far this season. And so. did he play in the FFA Cup back in August? I'm drawing a blank yes, on Yes, he did. Okay, well, yeah, A-League games. Yeah. Yeah. FA Cup round of 30. <laughs> well, ignore that. That's... Yeah, FFA Cup round of 32. That's Well, that was pre-season for both of yeah, those clubs anyway. game, yes. So, but do you think it's time for him to start celebrating? Look, to be honest, each to their own when it comes yeah. to celebrating against their old clubs for me. If a player wants to celebrate against his old club, sometimes I think it can be disrespectful, but at other times I can completely understand it. If you go the Emmanuel Adebayor route and you know run that, the length of the pitch to the other fans, that might be going a little that's bit That's what far. I want to see happen. But it, when you're just sort of standing there looking like a statue, that, I don't know, show a little bit of excitement. You've just scored what was a very good goal. It doesn't really matter in truth. No, but it just bugs me. And you know, as, you know me. I'll go on. I'll go on rants about completely irrelevant things. As as long as he's not giving goals to the opposition, like Enrique did in uh, the game against Adelaide <laughs> this season. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. That's two Arsenal references in five minutes. By the way, we'll see how many we can get to. Well, between you, the pair of you, this could be good. Would you rather I go back to Super Bowl references? Doesn't matter either way. <laughs> uh, who's listening? Just as long as we don't talk about Emmanuel Adebayor again, I'll be happy, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's instead move on to Perth's opening goal. Just how bad was that miss from the assistant ref, Scott? Oh, it's a shocking decision from the assistant referee. I know he's on the other side, but you should be able to see. The ball's clearly out, but I want to focus on the raw here. The, Luke DeVere could, could have cleared that ball. If he clears that ball properly, nothing else that happened after it matters. So that's, and this is the second time now the Raw have not played to the whistle. You think about the Jade North incident in Melbourne. And is there a lesson here that needs to be learned for the Raw? That's yes, what play I the know. whistle. Yeah, play the whistle. For me, I've got a little bit of sympathy, I have to say, for the, uh, for the assistant referee. Because he's, he's trying to look at that decision through both goalposts. And basically, he's having to have a guess. Um, given that they had the technology available, you know, um, as we saw in the coverage of the game with Chris Griffiths-Jones up in the that box looking at replays and all that type of thing. I mean, I mean, 
I'm not a big fan of video technology in the game when it comes to fouls and stuff like that because it's already a very subjective game as it is. And it's not a game with a lot of stops either. You could have no, used it there too because no, there was a stoppage like 10 yes. seconds after it. Yeah. yeah. But it is yeah. kind of one of those things where if you are going to bring it in, and I think they're starting round 26 once yeah. they get yeah. all of the kinks sorted out. But yeah, I do, I do worry we are going to wind up like, you know, the other football codes, rugby union, yeah. rugby league, where you're standing around for five minutes with you know time to scratch yourself raw yeah I really yeah. don't want that to happen but no yeah but play the whistle boys please for, for me when it comes to the, to decisions for the referee um, for me offsides are something that you can uh, can call to a relative extent as being black or white and also the ball being in and out of play it, it, it generally is pretty obvious whether the ball's gone in if it's in or out but when it comes to fouls and stuff like that, I think you just got to leave it in the referee's hands because it's already um, subjective enough, as I said. Just quickly, the one that I would love that is the goal line technology that you see overseas. That's yep. To me, that's the logical one we could have. But anyway, that's a t- topic yeah. for another day. Well, it's, in, well, it's in video games, so how hard is it to do it in real <laughs> life? All right, so the Raw did actually bounce back from that refereeing controversy and managed to get a nice goal for Dane Ingham. I was watching the replay, I was actually surprised at how well that team move came about for Ingham to finish off. That was almost raw of all, wasn't it? I think it was also good for Dane Ingham as well. I mean, that's a huge confidence booster for a young player. Mm. Particularly a player who is an attacking player by nature to score his first goal, even though he's playing it right back. Yeah, um, fantastic goal. It's, I mean, watching it back, uh, I watched it back yesterday and, you know, sweeping move the whole length of the pitch and then a good little one-two between Ingham and Broich on the edge of the box, and it ends with a fantastic finish, you know, brilliant goal. Just on Thomas Broich, he was spectacular on Saturday night. He had two assists, and he could have had hmm. plenty more. He was by far the best player on the pitch. Well, he was, yeah, he was my highest-rated thing. And look, everyone, you know, loves Diego Castro. I've criticised Castro for not doing any sort of defensive work ever in his A-League career, but I was really impressed by how much running off the ball he did when the Raw had possession. But yeah, Broich still showed him yeah. what the bar is for A-League imports, yeah. and... Look, you can have Castro, you can have Rojas, I'll take Broich. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, if there's any doubt about whether he's the best um, A-League import of all time, or the best in the history of Australian football, I, I think it's just absolute nonsense, to be honest with you. Um, you know, player of the season, officially in two of the Raw's championship winning seasons, in my opinion, probably should have been player of the se- season in... Uh, the 2010-11 season as well, when Marcos Flores won Player of the Year. That's right. I was trying to remember who that the was. The third place Adelaide United, <laughs> yeah. I believe it was. Because um, he scored you know. one great goal and he got it. Yep. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can't doubt his influence on the the peak years that the Raw had, I don't think. And now he's still able to produce very, very good performances, even though I don't think he's got the legs he used to. Right now, would you re-sign him on a non-marquee but still decent money deal yes. for another two years? Yes. I mean, the importance he has on the team. I mean, replacing him if we have to in the offseason is going to be mighty difficult because it's not just... It's what he offers all around. You have to keep him as long as you can. For me, a one-year deal because, you know, as, as an Arsenal fan, you, you get... You get <laughs> That's three. You get... You get nervous when it comes to contract extensions, believe me. But in this case, I think, given his age, um, he's in a bit of a situation. I think Arsene Wenger is, you know, uh, well, not dissimilar, but... Um, <laughs> except Broich is still producing at his producing level. Yes, 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 yes. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, he... he for me, he's, give him one more yeah. year if he feels like it, you know. Because, as um, Scott said, it's going to be almost impossible I'd say to find a player of the equivalent quality to, to bring in especially given our financial situation which nobody really understands <laughs> I think at the moment you know it sort of just gets swept under the carpet during the season Scott and that's four Arsenal references isn't that Arsenal's favourite number two by the way yeah, oh, arguably <laughs> we'll go for that per segment but yeah look uh, for me yeah Broich is just one of those players this is probably the best I think he's looked since that last grand final season and until he sh- he's probably the one guy that you say it's better to release him a little bit too late as opposed to a little bit too early. Well, that was the big story last year that he was fading throughout the season. Maybe he was just sick yeah. of getting kicked all the time. I think that he's be- I think he has to be the most foul player in the history of the competition, doesn't he? Yeah. There can't right. be another one. Yep. All right, so we're going to move to the rest of the A-League. Quick hit on the results. Adelaide 1, Newcastle 0. Is this a turning point for Adelaide? Yeah, they might finish 8th. <laughs> all right, so Wellington 1, uh, Melbourne City 5. 
What do you think of this, Richard? Um, Wellington completely capitulated after Barbarossa's uh, missed a penalty from what I saw. Some of the defending was absolutely shambolic. Yeah. Uh, then the feature game Saturday night, which we're going to have to come back to, unfortunately, a little bit later mm-hmm. on. 1-0 West Sydney, Sydney FC. More refereeing controversy. Should Sydney feel hard done by? I'll let the last one, the last minute, that was a penalty to me, but... Sydney did play well in this game, but fair play to Lawanda as someone had to beat them. So I think that was actually probably one for Popovich, where he came out with the right tactics to really stifle Sydney FC. Yeah, I mean, I've only watched the highlights of these games. I was out watching local football on Saturday night. Mm, but, Mr. Um, Busy. Yeah, I was actually. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it did look like it was a fairly even game that could have gone yeah. either way from what I saw. And I, I, seeing the incident back on the... Uh, Alex Bross penalty. It's a penalty um, it, it was a clear penalty for me, you know. And Sydney FC will feel hard done by. But for me, in terms of the overall season, I'm not sure they can have too many complaints over the over the course of the season because I think things maybe evened out a little bit. In that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to move on to and the, the loss might actually do them good too yeah. because now they've got the invincible thing is gone. They can just focus on playing the games. That's it, and you know now the primary concern for them is the Premier's Plate race, which Melbourne. Do, speaking, do you know with the Raw when they oh, were yes, getting like the 34, 35, 36, it was starting to get a lot very nervous for fans and the players. You could see it was taxing. I actually think the Raw fans were probably the second celebrating second most out of the rest of the A League yeah. compared to. The other team, but as I, as I was just saying, the one team that will probably also be celebrating Melbourne victory, three 0 hammering of the Mariners, is the Premiership race back on? Uh, not for me. I think Melbourne victory. They've still got inconsistent performances in their team. I think you know they've got some fantastic attacking players like Troisi, Rojas, Barisha, but they they can also go missing in games. They they're not the biggest workers defensively. I don't think and. The back sort of two-thirds of that team does concern me in terms of the premiership race, and I think they will have uh, a few games where they'll drop points, and Sydney FC, I think, will still win the premiership quite we'll comfortably. F- we'll find out in the next two weeks because City hosts Sydney on Friday, and that's a, they're given the form Melbourne City, and that could be a tough game. If they were to draw that game and, and victory beat Adelaide, it does set up the big blue two weeks from now where it's potentially interesting. I think but that implies yeah. victory, go to Sydney and win which would be a massive result, and that would put the premiership race on. I agree with Richard. I think it's finished, but the it, door is ever so slightly ajar for Melbourne victory. It could set up for almost a de facto premier's plate decider. Anyway, that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Back to the Switch 1197 studios for the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Richard here this week for the Outside 90 Fan Network. Next week, can we get someone called Adam in so I don't have to learn a new name? We'll see what we can do, huh? Yeah, sounds good. No offence, Richard. <laughs> Nothing to say. <laughs> Alright, for segment two... I'll we get... say I'm the voice of reason. Well, we need something like yeah. that in here because we've just got Scott and I and exactly. we're definitely not reasonable. We've definitely been lacking, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think we ever really had it with Adam either. Hi, Adam. Oh, like he's listening. He's off in Vegas. <laughs> All right, so for segment two, we're going to take a look at last night's Asian Champions League opener against Wontong United. Scoreless draw in f- front of 4,500 people at Sun- I mean, um, Brisbane Stadium. The game certainly had its ebbs and flows. A lot of people sitting around me were quite disappointed with the result and the way the Raw played. Do you reckon they should be? No. I mean, I think people underestimated Wontong United. I mean, you mentioned before it was before we started recording six Thailand internationals from the Socceroos game in November playing. Yep, yep. thanks to yep. Vince Rigari for that stat yep. as so well. That plus the Spanish striker up front. I mean, they were a very good side and they were well organised. They yep. were very hard to break down. They were well organised. They knew what they were doing. Mm. They were certainly a step up on Global FC, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. I mean, I think we should stop underestimating Thai football, but there was kind of that air walking into the stadium that people were expecting this was going to be a comfortable win. And this was basically our youth team as well, or half of it. So, but, all considered, it's a good point. But just going back to the expectations, do you think maybe it's just a product of Australian football in general? Is unless it's you know Japan, Korea, yeah. or maybe even one of the big spending Chinese clubs, they just automatically assume it's a team that the A League side should wallop. I think that is a reasonable assumption, and 
I think we need to actually look at the quality of our A-League this season, which I think is... It's definitely gone backwards on last season, I think, the competition as a whole. Um, you know, I think the top four teams are, are good sides. Maybe you could extend that to Perth Glory, but apart from that, I, I don't think that there's the spread of quality across the competition. And given that, you know, I think Brisbane in the last two games, I mean, I think the result against Perth, looking at the team and the squad that we had available for that game, was... It, if you'd offered me a 2-2 draw before the game, I would have taken that. And I think, you know, uh, given the side that Mong Tong United had out last night and also the team that Brisbane had decimated by injuries, you know, uh, I think, again, it was a good result. And I think there is a little bit of a bias towards the Japanese, Korean and the Chinese teams in Australian football. And as We, we point, need to get yeah. rid of that soon because we've seen the Thailand national team do well against the Socceroos and now this as well. Can we well, stop well, underestimating them, please? Well, that was exactly what I was about to say. Is, you know, Ask yep. Ange Postacoglu about yeah. what happens when you underestimate a determined Thai team. And I honestly thought they were phenomenal. One thing that really seemed to take the raw by surprise was the speed of the Thai players. They were all over the place. Whereas you compare that to an average A-League opponent and you know they might have a few quick players here and there, but... You know, you had guys were able to get in the middle of those one-two passes, and it kind of had me wondering about whether or not the Raw were quite tactically advanced enough to work their way around it. Well, that feeds into what Richard was saying, the quality of the competition compared to what we're facing in Asia. This is, even though it's the Thai Premier League, it's a step up on the A-League in terms of the speed of play, the way the Thailand players play the game. It is a very good style of play, and they did cause the Raw tremendous amount of trouble with their speed and movement. So, hmm. And they did... We were talking about, like, if we were just giving it an advantage on like a points decision last night in our uh, Facebook video on the Raw Review Facebook page, Scott. Yeah. We were saying maybe Muantong would have won the bout on points. Given what I saw, uh, having rewatched the game today, um, I think that's probably a fair statement. I think they had definitely the better of the opportunities, even though I think Brisbane had the two most clear-cut chances of the game. Um, you know, I was quite impressed, but also on the flip side... Um, we maybe shouldn't be so surprised by the quality of the team given their performance against the Socceroos back in November. But that and that being said, like the Raw were pretty much down to bare bones by there. So they, we'll talk about the Raw lineup. You had Cameron Crestani and Daningham playing in the back line alongside Jade North and the returning from injury Jack Hingett. How do you think those back four held up? I thought defensively they did really well, particularly Cristani making his first start, dealing with a player like Disco up front. That was a really tough challenge for me. He did well. I thought Ingham on the left struggled. I don't know if he's ever played left side in his yeah. life. And he was learning the position of fullback on the wrong side. He has he doesn't really have a whole lot of confidence in his left foot. But you might have come up with a good reason why he was playing on the left. Yeah, so the way I kind of saw them lining up, Cameron Crestani was on the right side of the central defensive pairing. And I'm wondering if they didn't want to have the two young guys on the same side together because they thought that might have been a spot that Montong would have really gone after. Yeah, I, I think that is a fair comment. Um you know, Jack Jack Hingard, I believe, has played a few A-League games at left-back in the past. but France having, Tyson era, I believe. Yeah, that would be right. That was a great, great manager, him. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but I have to say, you know, having the experience uh, with the youngsters, it, it will help them because the experienced players uh, would have been communicating with them, particularly Jade North in the centre of the defence. But also, I think having... Um, Having uh, jacking it on the right would have helped Cristani out, I think, during the game. He was really good, Cameron Cristani, as well. Mm. I, I thought he was my man of the match. He yeah. was phenomenal. And Joe Coletti came on in the second half for what was a very ineffective Jacob Pepper. And That's being kind. Well, I'm trying to be nice here. I, I, it's an unfamiliar feeling for me, but I'm getting there. But, yeah, Coletti came in and I thought really, you know, was all over the place in midfield in a good way. He had that little Energizer Bunny thing going and Thomas Broach was another halftime sub and... Boy, again, we were talking about the quality of Thomas Broach in that last segment. We saw it again, yeah. almost from the off, where he had that little leave through his legs for D'Agostino to get clear in on goal. And we were talking about last night, that 15 minutes after halftime was by far the Raw's best of the match. It was when Coletti and Broach were able to have a big impact. And unfortunately after that, because again, the Raw's schedule, I think they all fatigued big time in the second half as the, it went on. You could tell Broach was stuffed after about 15 yeah. minutes. And look, again, at his age, playing 90 minutes yeah. of high intensity football in Perth coming back and playing you know even half a game of Asian Champions League against a very quick very you know hard to track side 
you kind of can forgive him a little bit for waning, but maybe he, maybe they brought him on too early, but they probably needed him when they did because throughout that first half, Wontong were phenomenal. They were they all over them. at halftime. Yeah. I was actually glad we picked I, the seats that we did because it was all down our end in the first half. Yeah, I mean, look, having rewatched the game, you know, look, Pepper was pretty be honest, pretty, pretty <laughs> awful to be honest. Um, he doesn't really give the midfield any control, and um, you know, having Brett Holman playing alongside him in that sort of double pivot in the midfield, it didn't, it didn't look right. Um, you know, Holman is not a player that has played there a lot over the course of his career. More of a number 10 or a wide player. And even um, a second striker if you needed him, but not yeah. a deep-lying... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that was an experiment that probably... Was it an experiment that was necessary based on... Yeah, it, yeah. W- it was necessary, but I don't think it's one that will be repeated if it can be avoided. Um you know, I think Coletti came on and he actually gave us a little bit of control in the midfield. You know, actually, a, I think you can see the, the jump in the technical quality from uh, Pepper to Coletti. Uh, even though I don't think Coletti is completely ready physically to play in the A-League or at a senior level on a weekly basis. There um, was a, technically, you can see he's, yeah. he's well and truly up to it, I think. There was one challenge, I think, where he actually quite literally just bounced off Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed at that probably more than I should have. But yeah, I was I was overall a point. It's better than the last two times where they went yep. down to FC Tokyo two yep. nil, went down to Beijing Guam one nil, I believe it was. Yeah, one nil down the coast. Yes. And nil nil now. So next time they make the Champions League, it'll be a one nil win. It's already the equal most points they've got at home in a Champions League group. So it's not. It's, it's all not up all from bad. Here. And we are going to talk a little bit about the upcoming game against Ulsan. Ulsan, that's right. I yes. was just drawing a mental blank there. We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later. But one last story that I did want to touch on was how the Roar have basically closed half of the bottom tier of Suncorp Stadium on Tuesday night. How do you think that worked out for them? I think it actually was good in a way because it got the crowd closer together, might have created a better atmosphere for you because the Global FC game, people were all over the place and it was... They were asking us to move. Yeah, it was really sparse and there was... I think it makes sense to open up just like the one part of the stadium for the Champions League games to be honest. Yeah, well, they're not going to really be pushing for 30,000, 40,000 at any of those games, so it makes a little bit more sense. If the Raw ever hosted a Champions League final, you might see that kind of crowd, but... Just hope it's not entirely opposition fans. But I would say, yeah, it was was a smart move, and yeah, the crowd actually looked... Probably saved them some money as well, which is good. What is it, 40,000, according to the Courier Mail? I'm going to guess that was Marco from there. I'd say so. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for a very quick segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, so you've got we should also thing. very quickly say in the other game in Group E, Cashmere Antlers beat Ulsan Hyundai 2-0, so they're top of the group. Oh, yeah, that. But Oh, yeah, that's right. So as it stands, we're actually going through to the knockout stages. Yes! Well, anyway. One oh. way of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> always look on the left side, for, I mean bright side of life. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Studios for the Brisbane Football Review, episode 21 here, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James, Scott and Richard with you, and I've just had to break up an argument between Scott and Richard, talking about the 99 Man United side and the Arsenal 0304 Invincible. So guys, can we play nice now? Maybe. <laughs> I made my point. A deluded point. It reminds me of Ty on Arsenal Fan TV, this. Do you guys, do you guys want me to just <laughs> Don't walk start out me on Arsenal Fan next... TV. This could be good if you start that. All right, you guys go. I'm going to go grab a quick drink or something. <laughs> I'll be back in about half an hour when you're done. I've walked out of the studio before. Don't think I won't do it again. You got to the door. <laughs> and I went to the car park. Anyway, so segment three, we're going to talk about the news and the local leagues going on in uh, Brisbane right now. Let's get started with the news. So... Just after we finished recording last week, as is always the case with us with a bit of luck, FFA said, just after saying that there's no plans to separate the A-League and let it run independently, maybe that's something they'll consider now. Scott, what's going on here? I think this is a David Davidovich story, and he might have jumped the gun slightly talking to an A-League owner. They were basically saying that it's going to be separated from the FFA. At some point in the near future. Yeah, run separately. Do you reckon that's going to be good for the A-League, Richard? Um, I think it, it has to happen eventually. Um... But, you know, there's 
got to be um, a certain, I guess, responsibility for club and uh, for clubs and club owners to run their clubs responsibly and to not have to have the licenses and all that type of thing controlled by the FFA. Um, I have to say, at the moment, I'm not entirely comfortable, especially with expansion on the horizon in the near future. Um, so I could probably see at least sort of a settling in period where the FFA slowly hands over control of the competition to new uh, to, the, to the clubs. But for the time being, I think it's got to be the FFA running running the competition because we don't have an entirely sustainable 10-team league at the moment. And that's where it's got pluses and minuses. Obviously, if you separate it, all A-League revenue would be put into the A-League only, not other FFA interests. So that would be a bonus. Yeah. But at the moment, you've got the FFA propping up some A-League clubs. They just own Newcastle for two years. They've been obviously intervening with situations at the Raw. If the competition is separate, whose responsibility is that? But it could, The theory yeah. would be that because there's more money in the A-League, the clubs would get more money, but they may or may not fix things fully. So it, there's pluses and minuses to it. Mm, it could. I think you're right. Because when we were talking about it on Wednesday night, when that story came out, we were thinking, "Oh God, we've missed something huge here." But as uh, as more of the dust began to settle on, we were saying it's a little bit. It's a, you know, there's maybe a little bit of a way to go yeah. here, and like Richard said, it's probably going to be a little bit more of a gradual thing, like the eventual expansion plan that I believe Davutovic had as well a few weeks a few weeks back. He did, but the owners are clearly circling here because it's no coincidence that this story has come out about a week and a half after the Melbourne victory luncheon. There were. Di Pietro gave the comp- gave the FFA a bit of a serve. All the a lot of other A League owners were there, supportive of that. So there's clear moves afoot to to change something. We'll see where it leads yeah. to. Yep. All right. So on the raw front, there's actually been a, a bit of a re-signing. So Jade North has committed to the club for a little while. Richard, do you reckon it's a good idea to keep the aging centre back? Uh, absolutely. Um, he he is the stalwart of that defence. I think he's missed one A League game in the last two seasons um, still playing very well and deservedly is still playing every week I think you know he had a, he had a very good game last night I thought um, he's been and, quite stable know, and consistent yeah. right now and yeah. I think above all else that's probably what you need from one of your mid-30s veterans right yeah. now because you don't want to turn it over to the youth because they'll yeah. still have a few issues if you've got so many young players well, you need an experienced player at the back like a Jade North because even Luke DeVere has not got the most experience given all his his injuries he's had, he hasn't played as much football as you would probably expect for someone of his age. So it's a young backline around Jay North and the backups are even younger again. So you need someone with that experience. So I think it's a good move. And yeah. look, as a, with any player his age and with the way he's played so far this season, there is always a chance Luke Devere could be somewhere else next year. Yeah. yeah. Also with his injury history, you never know how long he's going to be out for either. So Well, as long as they don't play him in a friendly against Villarreal when he's already on one leg, I think he should be fine. That's back to yeah. that. Uh, you were talking <laughs> about last, last segment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I think, you know, he's pretty much he's been fit for... I think he's had virtually a clean bill of health for the last, what, Little two, while. two years? Yeah. Well, certainly in the last two seasons, he's barely missed a beat. Um, you know, I think in a poor back line last season, he was one of our best. Or probably was our, he was our best, actually, I'd say. Um, and this season, I think, you know, having Luke, Luke Devere alongside him just... An absolute beast defensively at his best. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a partner there who can ease him through games at times, but he's also got the experience to be able to guide Devere around the pitch and also the other young players that are around him. And that does seem to be a bit of a marker of recent raw sides where you've got guys like Shane Stefanuto being that aging yeah. veteran in the back, back, back four just to provide that maybe calm head and experience of saying I've played this game for a long time I know what I'm doing here something Al Wissi likes to have as well as experienced players in each line of the team at what point I'm trying to look at it, at what point are the Raw going to feel decide that doesn't include someone that Al Wissi actually played with that's a good question because I'm trying to think uh, he would have played with North like maybe not on the same team but he would have been on the same pitch as North at some point surely yeah oh, A-League Grand Final in 2008 yeah. There you go. That's against the Mariners. Yeah. <laughs> How was he finished in the A-League, what, 2012-ish? I, around 10, about then, yeah. yeah. 10, I think. Oh, 11, yeah. So anyone who was playing in the A-League at that point, it, it is, there's a fair few of those still around. So It is just funny seeing some of those you know newer A-League managers that have just come off a decent playing career sort yeah. of facing off against guys that they used to play against. Well, we saw that with Kevin Musket yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Although speaking nobody of, likes Kevin speaking Musket. Speaking of Kevin Musket, I mean, we, something off the, not on the run sheet, James... 
Kevin Musker was linked to Rangers at the weekend, and so was Craig Moore That's as right. a That's director of football. And I think there was a story on the Courier Mail website a couple of days ago where Craig Moore basically shut that down. He's going nowhere. So. Well, that's good. I mean, look, I know he left as a player in not great circumstances, but he was really good for the Raw for a long time when he was there. Aside from that red card in his first game, actually. Craig Moore, that is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, he had a tendency of getting red cards either in pre-season friendlies just before the start of the season or in the early stages of the season. So Him and Danny um, Chowder, you know, red oh. cards waiting to happen. Oh, thank God those days are over. <laughs> yeah, but I still love watching those raw plays with Tiato and whatnot. But that, yeah, Tiato, I think, might have been a little bit of a liability from time to a time. A little bit of a liability. We lost a Premier's plate because of, because of that. Yeah, that and also the kit guy actually brought the orange kit instead of the white one. That didn't help. No, that was one of those games yeah. where you just remember it just... It, they came out in the orange kit and you went, oh, something's not right here. And everyone that had bet on the raw that day was going, <laughs> oh, no. Speaking from experience... No, I, I don't gamble. I'm a responsible adult. <coughs> anyway. All right, so we're going to move on. Oh, actually, we've got some Facebook comments first that Scott wanted Sorry, to... keep going. I had them open on my do, phone do, and do, I do, 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 do. closed do, do, that do, do, down. Okay, so we have... <laughs> Terry Luke was saying, Jane still one of the top centre-backs in the competition. Michael Clark, not the cricketer, I assume. So he gets, gets to work with Cristani in the, uh, to develop Cristani before he retires. Be good. And Neville Polly says, nice of Brisbane to keep a keep a defender still at the top of his game I think yeah. all three of those are accurate and uh, uh, plus points of why you would keep a Jade North around yeah. and aside from maybe a step of pace we haven't really seen a huge drop off in North's uh, game either no no I mean it, uh, for me he's always been a player that relies more on his reading of the game than he does on his actual physical attributes and I, I don't really see that um, being a massive issue for him centre back is a position I think possibly the only position in the modern game where players can be sort of nursed through games at times. They can, you know, use the protection in front of them and stuff like that, use their positioning, their experience and all that type of thing. And I think he's going to be able to do that for at least another season. And I could even see him playing playing on again at some point or signing a new contract at this point next season, you know. Mm. So. It seems to be part of the raw culture as well to keep around these experienced guys. I wouldn't even be surprised if he transitioned into an off-field role with the raw whenever yeah. his playing days do finish. That seems to be the way it's going, which well, is which is a good thing. It's seems Shane Stefano, Shane Stefano do that among others. So yeah, well, look if it if it works, I think everyone yeah. will be happy. It's a results results based industry. Now let's move on to another story and. Yeah, you, you can tell by that side from Scott. We're really happy that we have to discuss the stupidity of Wanderers fans again. Uh, yeah, I know. All right, so the RBB had a banner, and I don't know how we can describe this on a family-friendly radio show. You've all show. seen it. Yeah, you've seen it on Fox Sports 15 times a day when their social media guy is claiming that it's a huge outrage, but we're going to keep showing you it we'll 15 descri- times a day. We'll describe half of it. Half of it was Graham Arnold. Yeah, and the other half was some guys holding up another banner. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah it wasn't... My, like, a lot of people are cl- saying that it was homophobic and, you know, there's a big outrage about that. Honestly, it's just stupid. I mean, yeah. it wasn't funny. At what point did that actually ever seem like a good idea? We've seen, you know, the RBB already do that with a stupid Facebook post earlier in the year talking about Sydney FC fans. And now you've got these fans just acting like absolute morons and you know it turns out you can actually extend moron past lighting a flare in a game at what point was that a good idea absolutely no point i mean to be honest you have to wonder what goes through the the heads of the rbb supporters at times you know i mean they do some fantastic things with the game the atmosphere that they create you know at matches can be very hostile very intimidating for the opposition um, I think that has died off as a result of the closing of Wonderland in this season. But, um, you know, I mean, doing things like this is just completely unacceptable. And, you know, it gains us no credibility in the public eye, I don't think, as a It just a, gives, like, the, the media a chance to have a shot at the game. Yeah. And take all that out. Like, how many of those football fans, and this is something I heard from Simon Hill yesterday, and it was absolutely spot on. He said, how many times are these football fans talking about, you know, the title of Johnny Warren's book... Sheila's Wogs and... Yep. Yeah. How many times do people complain about that? And then they go and use that as an insult themselves. So... Exactly. I, I, I'm sure... Well, not that th- some of those guys would probably have ever read a book anyway, unless it had pictures in it. But, yeah, it, it's just not even funny. Like, above all else, those banners are supposed to be creative. They're supposed to show some sort of 
Like they're supposed to show something good, and all it showed was that you're a complete meathead that clearly hasn't actually ever left the eighth grade. Well, a bit of shameless self-promotion here, but obviously the old RCC up here in Brisbane had a banner aimed at the Gold Coast Bulls, which was far better. Yeah, that was that's an example of what you can do that's humorous against your, the opposition rivals. But this is that was absolutely ridiculous, and I think the response from the Wanderers today saying that 14 of them have been banned for 18 months, and they have to do some sort of social. Social inclusion or, yeah. program or something like that before they can even get back in anyway. So I think that's that's only the first. Step. That's the Wanderers. It's, yeah, it's an eighteen month. Yeah. That's but that's the Wanderers yeah. sanction on their fans. That's not what the FFA yeah. may or may not do because they've oh, still yeah. got a, a show cause notice out. Yes. So I want to see yeah. what the yeah what the uh, FFA do now because they've seen the Wanderers have put a sanction in. What will the FFA do on top of that? And look, I'm I'm not going to go all social media hyperbole and demand a public tar and feathering and then drag them behind the back of an eighteen wheeler because that would just be ridiculous. But Surely these guys just... Yeah, I'm just honestly stunned at how stupid they can be. Speaking of stupid, their Facebook post on hmm. Monday night was equally ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, claiming a media agenda against the Wanderers fans and the RBB because yeah. apparently football in Australia didn't exist before the RBB, which shows just how they insular... football. Yeah, which... Haven't you heard this? Yeah, which shows just how insular they are. And look, we make fun of a lot of people for not quite get grasping the full picture of their surroundings. These guys are the poster child for that. I mean, to be honest, in my opinion, uh, if the FFA is serious about trying to stamp out this type of behaviour from fans in the game, which is completely unacceptable on any level, um, you know, I mean, they're trying to claim some sort of moral high ground, it seems like, by saying that football belongs to the people. Well, I haven't seen any support for that banner whatsoever from anyone bar the RBB. You know, I think the FFA should activate that show cause notice yeah. that they have for the Wanderers and deduct them for competition Well, that's points. the thing. They have got the three answer. points hanging over their head for their for all their flares in Melbourne. And I'm wondering whether or not that's going to happen to them now because obviously the Wanderers have acted, but the FFA, to your point, are still... They're still waiting for an official response, I think, from, from Western Sydney before they act. I mean, it's probably going to be a fine and a big yeah. fine. But I do think that the it would be harsh to look for the players to lose the points, but it might take that for the RBB to finally realise they cannot continue this anti-social stuff they're doing. Yeah. And I'm actually noticing now, I saw a post a while ago talking about how the RBB were the number one fans in the league. Is Like, it was from, I think the West, I think it was from a Western Sydney account talking about the, yeah, how they were the number one fans in the league, possibly in the lead up to the Derby, actually. So, yeah. Well, you're not the number one fans in the league if you're doing that type of thing. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's just asking for trouble. And, yeah. One last thing, if this was a response to the Sydney FC snakes thing in the last derby a month ago, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, see the snakes... There's another example of something you can do that's humorous. Yeah, and look, if you want to call Graham Arnold a choker, there are plenty of other ways that you can actually do it. Like, for, st- for instance, bringing up the 2011 A-League Grand Final, where the Raw actually beat his Central Coast Mariners team with two late goals. Good times, that. Good times. Yeah, well... I like it. <sighs> Yeah, honestly, I, I would happily see these guys. We should move on, I think. Yeah, before I say something stupid. <laughs> We've talked about them enough. That's far more far more airtime than they're worth, to be honest. Yeah. So, All right, so Brisbane Premier League. We're going to go on to the local leagues now. That launched over the weekend. Richard, you mentioned you were at one of these games, weren't you? <laughs> yes. Um, being an Eastern Suburbs player myself, um, I was at that game on Saturday night. Um, tell, us what, a, tell us a little bit about that. Well, 1-1 draw... Um, you know, Logan came out firing in that game. I have to say, you know, they started like a house on fire in the first five minutes and they were a goal up. Um, for the next 40 minutes, it was an absolute domination by the mighty Tigers, but I have to say, um, you know, how how our boys didn't go in a few goals up at half time, I'm not quite sure. Um, former Brisbane Raw player, Abraham Yango, got on the, got, got on the score sheet for us. Um, that answers the well. I'm about to ask you. I did hear that a room that he was at Eastern. Yeah, Thanks yeah. I've 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 known Abraham for a long time actually, and um, he's been down training at 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 East for oh, a good two or three weeks, I think now. I feel um, like this might be an in for us to get an interview with a former Raw player, Scott. Yes. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and he 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 uh, he's. He, he kind of got released, I, th- I think, from down in Melbourne where he was playing for Avondale, and he looked quite sharp in the first half, I have to say. And he, he did actually score the goal for, for East. Um, the second half, it, it evened out as a game. Um, Logan, I think, made it quite a physical battle in the second half, and at times I don't think we handled that as well as we could have done, but you know, hopefully 
they can turn it around with a win this Friday night against Penn Power. Yep. All right. So we're going to move on to some of the other results from over the weekend. So in what I would probably call a feature match, Penn Power went down to Lions FC 2-4, to four, or 4-2 four to two to Lions FC if you want to be quick instead of the way I wrote it down. Logan Lightning won one against East, as Richard mentioned. Grange Thistle won Mitchelton three. Ipswich Knights won one against Albany Creek. And then the game that really stood out for me was Souths versus Rochdale, where Rochdale came away 3-1 winners. Yeah, so Souths obviously they had a big recruit in the offseason with former soccer John McCain. I think that's a good first up win for them. Sorry, no, Rochdale won, didn't they? Yeah, Rochdale. Yeah, so it's a good, it's, no, it's a good result for Rochdale then. But I didn't, I didn't get to see anything, it's, unfortunately. I did, however, see the highlights of Lions and Peninsula Power through the Football Brisbane network, and mm, Lions looked really good. Yeah, that coverage on the Football Brisbane website's looking yeah. really good so far. I'm yeah, quite I mean, I think I, Lions I, have shown they might be the team to beat again. Yeah, unfortunately, I, yeah. I mean, I, I played in the preseason friendly against Lions um, just a couple of weeks ago in the Silver Boot, and um, they were looking sharp that day. I have to say, even though it was a mainly a reserves team that was out from us um you know but in the first half they gave us the run around to be honest and um they are looking pretty good i have to say you know quite balanced across the pitch and they look like they could be you know i think they probably are the team to beat you know all right cool so we're going to move on to week two friday night you've got east against penn power albany creek against holland park then saturday you've got Capal- sorry all the saturday games have been moved all saturday games have been moved, moved from the bpl i think they've all been moved haven't they because of the raw game uh, i'm sure i saw somewhere they've been moved off the saturday well, that would be useful. Not 100% sure, but um, not to my knowledge. All I, know, all I know is that I'm playing on Friday night and then I'm going to Well, that's to the important bit for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually really clever because I know there was talk yeah. about possibly some of those games being... You I'm know, sure I've heard that's what's happening. I know they've done it in the past anyway for certain Raw games. So. Well, yeah. stay tuned to the uh, Raw Review Facebook pages. I'm sure we're going to keep you updated on all of those changes, right, Scott? We might put that up on there at some point when we get confirmed, yeah. Okay, so you've got Kapalabar Lions, Mitchelton Souths, Logan Lightning Grain- against Grange Thistle, and Rochdale versus Ipswich. Now, we're going to move on to the NPL Queensland Round 1 because we are up against it for time right now. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, the feature game for us, I suppose, being the Brisbane Football Review and a Raw-focused show will be Olympic FC against Brisbane Raw Youth just down the road at Goodwin Park at Yoronga. Saturday, 7 o'clock. Yes, the sad thing is this one I haven't seen has been moved. So it's, un- it's unfortunate because it's one of the games that would be... It'd be a good crowd potentially for Olympic if the Raw fans are able to get down. But because you've got the game at Suncorp Stadium, it's unlikely. But this could be a good test because Olympic have done well in the preseason. I think they were in the silver boot as well. And they were also at the um, Macron Cup with Peninsula yep. Power where they made the final. So they're in good form. And for the Raw, we have no idea who's going to be playing in this game. I was actually going to say, because yeah. are they all going to be at Suncorp? Half the youth team got released. And then a lot of the players you might have thought would play are going to probably be playing A-League because of all the injuries. So I have no idea who's going to play this game for the Raw. So overall, do you think the season... I was just looking at it. It's probably going to be a bit of an up and down first couple of yeah. months as they are juggling A-League and NPL commitments with a lot of these youth players. Do you, which player do you think is going to benefit the most from having weekly game time in the NPL? <laughs> it's hard to say because I don't know who's going to play in this, these games. Well, someone, typically... that, someone that probably yeah. won't be in the A-League squad then. Let's go with that. Jeez, it's hard to know at the moment because they've all been in and around the A-League squad. Um, jeez. Oh, no, it's, a, it's a tough call. It's difficult because a lot of the players have been released, like haven't been announced from the Raw, but they've all been pop- Ch- popping Chandler's up on... Prasad, um... Andre Inese, yeah. Danny Kim, and that's yeah, not to mention are... the guys that left from last NPL season. These would have been the guys who you would be thinking would be playing these games, so that's why it's hard to know who's going to play. All right. Because so, typically, the um, with the young roar in the NPL, the first half of the season, you see the top team. So, like Cameron Cristani would play in these games, and then he would he would go on a break while the A League teams on a break, and he'd come back in the A League preseason mode. So, um, for me, um, having seen a little bit of the highlights from the Silver Boot, Finn Beekhurst, um, he's a new signing for the Raw Youth. I, I know a little bit about him because um, he joined from Morden Bay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, also, my brother uh, attended school with him, so. I've heard heard a little bit about him, and from what I saw in the in the silver boot highlights, he looked pretty sharp in uh, some of the preseason games. So he might be one to watch. I would say All right, the only so, addition yeah. that we know of as well for the young raw squad. So yeah. All right, so we're gonna just move on quickly. Uh, Strikers probably the team to beat right now. You'd say so. Yep. All right, so the other fixtures Saturday we've got Morton Bay against North Queensland Fury, Far North Queensland Heat against Gold Coast City, Brisbane City against Southwest Southwest Queensland Thunder. Western Pride against Brisbane Strikers. They're all Saturday. And then Sunday, Sunshine Coast against Redlands. You've also got round three of FFA Cup qualification drawn midweek. Feature games, 
will be New Farm, Penn Power, Springfield against Albany Creek, Rochdale, Pine Hills, Wolves versus East, Holland Park, Ipswich Knights, Turinga versus Acacia Ridge, Lions versus Brisbane Knights, and Tawong versus Bai. Yeah, so they got the bye in the next one. How do you think East will go? Um, you know, I think um, given given how we went in the silver boot, I think we've got a reasonable chance of actually getting to the later stages of the qualifying rounds. Um, I think we've got, in my opinion, a much stronger squad than we had last season, um, with a few very good signings, I'd have to say, um, in the off season. And you know, I'm hopeful that we can we can do well and hopefully get to the round of 32 and get a home tight Heath Park, you know. Against, uh, let's say, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City or something like that? Uh, preferably <laughs> not, because I'd like to go as far as we can in that competition. <laughs> oh, but just think of the draw card. You remember Tim Cahill last year. True. Victory's got nothing, he'd beat them, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, so we're going to move on now, and that's going to be the end of segment three. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Second four of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Richard with you today. And let's get into talking about the Wellington fixture at this weekend. Guys, are we excited? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I mean, I think this is a game that Brisbane are probably not going to get any sort of credit out of. You know, if we win, we're expected to win against Wellington at home. If we lose, it'll be a disaster, you know. Even with the injuries, I think, you know, we, we'd probably still expect our, you know, even even the team that we had out last night, we'd probably expect them to be able to turn over Wellington Phoenix at home, you know. Um, I'd expect a few, or hopefully a few players can come back in time for that game. And, you know, there'll be also a few changes, I'd imagine, to the team regardless. The only concern I can see is if the, if the youth team does play again, basically... Young players are inconsistent. Are they going to have a dip in in their performance? That's about the only thing I can think of. And given what happened at Wellington last week, a response. That's about all I can think of in terms of dangers yeah. here for the Raw. Yeah, well, well, the two teams played in round 16. It was 1-0 to the Raw, thanks to Jamie McLaren. Is there anything you can sort of take away from that game, aside from watch out for the Wellington players going over the ball and trying to kick you in the shins? That when McLaren came when he made a massive difference, and if he starts, it probably may, might be a game over sooner than it was that day, because that... That was far closer than it needed to be back in yeah, round 16. I mean, I think that game, I never felt threatened. Even when Wellington, I think they had a decent spell just after halftime for 20 minutes or so, but I always didn't really ever think like that they were going to score. And that was in a time when Brisbane were not defending particularly well. Um, you know, I always felt and fairly a decent run at that time Yeah, too. they were. You know, I think they'd just beaten Melbourne Victory 3-0 at the Cakes. Yeah, yeah, that was on the so, Tuesday night game yeah, yeah. to make up for the earthquake one. Yeah. I, I d- would expect some sort of response from Wellington, but you also wonder if the shine from the new managers has actually started to wear off. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a classic A-League team this season, you know. Lots of individuals. I don't think they work particularly well together, and they've got a poor defence. I think you know, ageing defence, and the young players that have come in, and you know, I don't really think they're up to the standard that Wellington are looking to get to, and they're not up to the standard of the players that are ahead of them in the front, sort of third of the pitch. You know, it'd be interesting at the back to see what the Raw do because Cameron Cristani was, by most estimations, man of the match on last night. Will he play again? Or does is this opportunity to bring in Papadopoulos for his first start? Because it's a comfortable, it should be a comfortable game this for the Raw. You could you could do both. Maybe. And he's had a week in Brisbane now to settle in yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I think just any bodies that we can get into the squad are going to be helpful. You know, I mean, I think you know Cameron Cristani. I, I know a little bit about him. Um, you know, so I, I'm being the same age as him, and I've sort of known the name. You know, for. A fair while, and he he actually played at fullback for a long time in the youth team, and then he switched back inside to the yeah. cent- centre of defence. I think as sort of the players Started out on the right him. side, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would not be surprised if there's a bit of a tinkering with the back four, and possibly Dane Ingham comes out. That might see that Hingert might go across to the left or something like that. Mackay could be back, you know, something. Luke you know, Devere is it a, is a Tuesday game in. 
in South Korea as well. That's a very tight turnaround, so I wouldn't be surprised if, to Richard's point, there's a fair bit of t- change. Well, the one change that we know is going to take place, Michael Theo will be back in the starting lineup, and... You know, I think they've got a pretty good rotation now. As we've said for the last few weeks, they've got two good goalkeepers. They may as well make the most of having them. Absolutely. You're right. You've got two keepers. You might as well play them. So, Would you would you start a runner in this game? He was a little bit, uh, I'd I say, I would be average. starting players who were not going to be starting against Ulsan given the Saturday-Tuesday turnaround. Well, for me, Which, that would rule out Borello. Yeah, yeah, well, Borello was fatigued in the Perth game and he looked, he looked tired last night. So I think he could do with a rest. Broich? Depends. Yes. Are you going to start Broich against Ulsan or not? That's the question. I would actually be more inclined to go for, say, Arana and Broich on the two wings because against Ulsan, you might want to play with a little bit yeah. more speed on the flanks. You'd probably go with the team that that beat Shanghai Shenhua as a blueprint for what you would expect in South Korea. Yep. So yep. work out from there who's going to play against Wellington because there's not I, many I left. Think, I think, it, you know, talking about... Um, Thomas Broich's future and all that type of thing, you know, earlier in the show. I think we've actually seen the blueprint or the future for him in terms of the rest of his career playing in a number 10 role, I think, you know, to save his legs, leave him more to do stuff in the front third of the pitch rather than having to come back with the fullback and put in a shift defensively. You know, I think he can play that position. He could probably play two games a week playing there, even at the moment, I think. So yeah. I, would, I would personally start him in that game. Yeah, I, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see how he manages this, though, because this is probably the most tight turnaround of the, the group stage for the back-to-back games. Mm. Yeah. And it's actually the second of three contests against the Phoenix in 11 weeks as well. Well yeah. done, A-League scheduling. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, the draw is a bit of a joke, isn't it, in the A-League, you know? But do you want the but, same? Do you want just the same nine, fix, same nine opponents repeated yeah, three well, I mean, times? You know, in the Premier League, they still play the same... Uh, Oh, they, they, have, they, they play, play each other twice. Yeah, they play each other twice, but you know the, the draw is not the same in the first half of the season yeah. as in the second half of the yeah, season. Yeah, you can mix so it up. You can mix it up, but I think they should still play in each block of nine games. They should play every yeah. team. You know, yeah, that that's actually, my opinion. But no, I agree. With I kind of get. Th- I get that, and that would probably be the reasonable compromise between the current state and the everybody follows the same schedule for, yeah. like you get in. I remember when I was playing in school. It is difficult though here because in the, in the Premier League, for example, the, the teams all own their own ground. With here, yeah, we're sharing true. grounds. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got concerts and other such in the middle of the season, which is, yeah. can be difficult. Thank you, so. Coldplay. Uh, and then we've got is jo- it Justin Bieber next month. Uh, is it, is that who, I can't remember who's coming. I know I someone is. <laughs> I know he's. I know Adele's at the Gabba, which you know Good. that's not a problem because the Roar aren't playing there. <laughs> that Guns and Roses at QSAC. And yeah, I believe it is actually Justin Bieber at Suncorp, oh, which... God, really. The good news is, though... With the start of other football codes as well. Yeah, that's right. destroy that, the pitch. That is actually a very good point recovered. that I just was uh, completely forgot to mention until you reminded me. The Reds are playing on Friday night as well, so are there going to be any concerns about the 1,600-kilo uh, scrums tearing up the pitch? Hopefully there's not much rain, though, because rugby union is probably the worst of the codes for damaging the pitch given the amount of collisions they have with it. So hopefully it's a dry game on Friday. Fingers crossed as well, because I'm going to that game. Third trip to Suncorp Stadium in five days for me. I just can't get away from that place. All right, so I think that's about all we can really squeeze out of the rock that is the Wellington Phoenix game. So let's get on to the other A-League fixtures coming up in round 21. Friday night, feature game, Melbourne City, Sydney, Melbourne City, Sydney FC. I hate saying that phrase. Yeah. Then we've got Saturday, it's a triple header. So Raw against Wellington, that's the early game at 4.35 Brisbane time. Then you've got Melbourne victory against Adelaide and Perth against Western Sydney. Sunday, we've got Newcastle against Central Coast. And then, as we mentioned before, we've got the Asian Champions League trip away to Kashima. Ulsan. Ulsan. Why did I put Kashima in the run sheet? I must have I done don't that. know why you put Kashima in the run sheet. I must have done that very late last night when I got home from Suncorp. But uh, before we do that, Scott, you want to actually plug our social media accounts? Oh, sorry. So you can listen to our show on Switch 1197 podcast, also Audio Boom and iTunes, Facebook, Brisbane Football Review, Twitter at Raw Review, and James is um. You can come and talk to James after any game if you want. Fan uh, camps right next to the Wally Lewis statue on the Northern Plaza. Yep. We would love to hear from you on Saturday because hopefully, hopefully uh, we aren't suffering from a bit of football fatigue and down on numbers. Yeah, so that, mm. Richard, you're going on Saturday, right? Yes, I am. I'll oh, see Friday night right as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, doesn't matter what state you're in. No, 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 no. Well, I won't. I, I can't foresee too much carnage because I've got a family gathering after that, you know. So that might I've, be. I've got to be in a respectable. <laughs> I've got to be in a respectable state, given that it's a birthday 
gathering. So okay, well, you know. yeah. So come down, to, uh, Sunshine Team. If you are listening to us via streaming, we got a bit of feedback last night from one of your friends, Scott. Yes. Yeah, so I've been told that if you're listening through um, Audio Boom on Android, it doesn't work streaming. You have to download it. So I've been told. Yep. And but uh, going through iTunes, I believe the streaming works fine. Yep. And it also sounds great on Switch 1197. Absolutely. All right. So. We're going to get into our picks right now. We're going to start off with the A-League tips for Saturday. I'm going to say 3-0 to the Raw. Scott? I'll say 2-0. And Richard, don't forget, you can stitch Adam up as much as you like here. Yep. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to okay, go for a conservative you prediction. And I'll say 2-1 to Brisbane. What is it with all these people being conservative? I want someone to go You've heard this show, it. right? We're trying to stitch over Adam. <laughs> stitch up Adam. Something. All right, so we're going to go right back to Richard for the Asian Champions League prediction as well. Uh... I hate to say it. I think all San Hyundai two Brisbane Roar one. Okay, so that's one two. I'm just writing these down. Scott, I'll say a one all draw, and that's exactly what I picked as well. So not going to gain any points on yeah. Scott for this week. Tactical picking. All right. So if you are listening to us on Audio Boom or iTunes, we would love to hear your feedback on the podcast in general and the fan cam. So feel free to leave a five star rating and a positive review because <laughs> I have a very fragile ego and I can only accept positive comments. He's right? not wrong. <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Richard, thanks for coming in and joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. We appreciate that. Scott, thanks as always. See you next week, Yep, and we'll see you Saturday afternoon for the fan camps. It's been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years. Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.